Today, a discussion of marketing and the impact of technology. We have evolved from what really was a shot in the dark to marketing automation solutions that enable incredibly detailed measurements. You know, brands relied on creators from individuals through mass marketing. Think madmen. And yet a most famous quote attributed to a well-known U.S. department store merchant, John Wanamaker, was, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. But now advertising is programmatic. Tools abound in the marketing automation submarket. We measure click-throughs, dwell time, we do A-B testing and so much more. CMOs are often called chief data officers. Today, a conversation with Paul Reitzer, founder and CEO of the Marketing AI Institute, as well as a consultancy, PR 2020. Paul helps to transform companies' marketing, and he focuses on the current and future potential of AI, machine learning, deep learning, and cognitive computing. Don Draper, indeed. I'm John Pryle, and welcome to Georgian's Impact Podcast. So welcome, Paul. Since John Wanamaker died in 1932, I don't want to go back that far, but I would like <laughs> to go back about a decade or so. It was 2011. You published the Marketing Agency Blueprint, and I think the subtitle is important. The Handbook for Building Hybrid PR, SEO, Content Advertising, and Web Firms. And then you followed that in 2014 with the Marketing Performance Blueprint. So I'd like to get a sense, since those are all data-driven, talk to me about what mattered then and why it matters so that we can get to AI. So interestingly enough, when I wrote the first book in spring of 2011, I wasn't doing anything with AI yet. There's not a mention of AI in, in the first book. There's talk of marketing automation, specifically HubSpot, because we were the first partner in HubSpot's ecosystem. But IBM Watson won on Jeopardy in January, February 2011, right before I started working on the book. And so when I finished the manuscript for that first book, that was when my obsession with what is artificial intelligence and what role will it play in the future of marketing actually started. Then between that first book and the second book, which I wrote spring of 2014, roughly, my world had changed. I had read Automate This by Christopher Steiner. I'd read probably five other books about AI. There were no marketing books about AI. There was no talk of AI within marketing. But I had started to connect the dots. I had looked at the complexity of Wall Street, logistics, all these other industries, healthcare, that were being disrupted by intelligent algorithms and not seeing an ounce of it in the field I spent all my time in. But I basically looked and said, well, it's inevitable, right? And sometime we will stop spending money on marketing automation that's human-powered and we will have machine-powered automation. And that was what sort of set things in motion. So in my second book, we do talk about what happens when AI comes to marketing, but it had not happened by 2014 either. Now, part of AI, obviously, is collecting good data. So I'm curious, you were HubSpot's first agency partner. How did you view the data they were collecting at, at that point in time, 2014? I didn't think about it. I mean, we started working with them in 2007. It wasn't on my roadmap. I'm not a data scientist. I'm not a machine learning engineer. I didn't think that way. I, The way I looked at it, and I wrote this in my second book, was every data point tells a piece of the story. So you should be using data in constructing what the customer journey is and then how you personalize that journey. So that was about the extent of what I knew is that we 
even in 2014, so many companies we dealt with weren't using the basics of Google Analytics to inform their strategy. Strategy in 2014, and even in many companies today, is instinct. It's experience and instinct and educated guesses. Sometimes they use data. Most of the times they don't. It's just, what did we do before? Did it work? Should we do it again? And that's the challenge for a lot of CMOs or leaders of organizations is they didn't get there by doing AI. Like they got there because they were great advertisers or they were great content marketers or they were great at what they did. And it elevated them to this role of leadership. They didn't do it using AI technology that automated things that they historically did with humans. So we're in this really weird stage where decision makers in the industry may be fearing that they're going to be obsoleted by the very thing they have the opportunity to integrate into their companies. I'd contend today, and and I want to talk, I want to kind of evolve to talk about the 2021 state of marketing AI report that you did Mm -hmm. along with Drift. And we had a podcast with Drift just recently too, which was pretty cool. Was that with Jeff Orkin? Is that Yes, it it was with Jeff. Yeah, Yeah. it was most amazing. I'll contend that we really do have good skills around go to market. And I think it's the evolution and the recognition of the data that's there, as well as just a wide range of software products that are out there that these tools that could be used by the go to market teams. What's your sense of the skills that are out there and the adoption rates of some of this newer AI based technology? Very low. So, you know, in our research, we asked understanding of terminology and capabilities of AI. 50% said they were beginner level in their understanding. 37%, I think, said intermediate. I don't question their answers. I question what intermediate is. So if we had given further context and said intermediate means you could walk into the CMO's office right now, explain what AI is and its potential, and list five sample use cases. Like you could confidently do that. You don't have to build anything. You don't have to just explain it and why it's better than what you're doing. I would be shocked if 37% of the marketing industry could do that. I, I would be shocked if 3% of the marketing industry could do that. I think we're at the stage where people are aware of it. They understand it has big potential but I don't know that we're that far along that people are actually highly competent in what it is and what it's capable of doing. Interesting. So there's a fear thing. I actually took the survey. It's already had been closed, but I wanted to see the questions. I think it was fantastic. And I want to get into some of the questions and the use cases. The front end for me was a little scary. And it makes me think back when you were just mentioning what the CMOs thought about what they did not know or do not know. You were asking people if they believe there'll be more or less jobs in marketing due to AI. And I'm going to save that for the close. I really want to talk about a future But in the short term, I do want to understand more about the different use cases. And you were really quite extensive in terms of asking people about the different questions that are there, whether it was SEO or reducing churn or I thought it was fascinating. You added a a question about writing email subject lines. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with the list? And then let's talk about some of the we can't do them all, but let's let's highlight some of the good ones. So. Again, I I started studying AI in 2011. I'm a journalism major. Like I came out of journalism school. So I'm a liberal arts major, you know, businessman, own a couple companies, a marketer by trade after two decades. Like 
but when I tried to understand AI, I couldn't. Like in 2011, the only people writing about AI were machine learning engineers and entrepreneurs building these companies. And I'm sorry, but they're not good at explaining it to the average person. <laughs> and so there was this multi-year effort for me as this liberal arts background guy to try and understand this highly technical world. And then to try and be able to stand on stage and explain it to other people who came from my background. They're marketers, they're creatives, they're, you know, they're copywriters, they're SEO people, like they're not the engineers. And so it took me years to be able to make sense of it enough that I could then confidently explain it. And if there was machine learning engineers in the audience, they wouldn't come up after me and be like, you're wrong. That is not what mm -hmm. machine learning is. So years of work. But what I found was the best way to make it approachable to people is show them examples of something they do every day and explain to them how AI could help them do it more efficiently. And so in that process, we started looking at this need to define use cases and to define them in categories of the things these people do. So again, if you think about advertising or email marketing or content marketing, show them 10 tactics or 10 activities that are commonly done in that area of marketing that you can say a machine can do this for you. All you have to do is find the tool. And so we, we basically started with that premise of how can we summarize dozens of common use cases that most marketers would touch or be familiar with. So not so specific that only an SEO person would understand this, but like optimize your website. Okay, if I'm a VP of marketing, like I, I need my site optimized. I don't need the granular detail. So that was really the origin of the dozens of use cases. And actually it used to be 65, we've cut it down to 49, but it was common use cases that most marketing leaders would recognize as something their team does every day. And that was where we did it. And so it's, it is not meant to be exhaustive. There are literally hundreds of them, but we wanted to get a representative sample of things that would commonly be done on a marketing team. And some things are easy to understand and actually easy to make that leap to understand how AI makes it better. I could do A-B testing as a human being. Mm -hmm. I could just decide if I want to have a green button or a blue button, or you've got a great SaaS software model, a program that's up there looking at aggregated data, and they'll do the automated A-B testing for me and then put the best solution out there. That's magic. Did that get understood well? So I look at that and say it's still flawed. So the, most people would A-B test the landing page. They would come up with two versions, three versions, whatever they're going to do. You would modify a single variable on the page because you don't want to change all the variables. You don't know what worked, what didn't. And then you would select the winner. My argument is, who are you to think you can predict that one or two variations is correct for the larger sample size if over time, a machine could actually learn that I am going to click the blue button every time and you're going to click the orange. So why would I show a blue or an orange and assume one of those is the winner if I can show a flywheel or if I could use their social media to predict their personality, which then actually tells me what the more likely color is they would react to. So again, what you said is a data-driven approach. A machine learning driven approach is why are we limiting it to two? Who are we to think we can actually pick even the two best? And so that's where I look at AI and say so much of marketing isn't even data driven yet. It should be, but it's not. Even when you make it data driven, you're still now only to the next level. The level beyond that is intelligent A-B testing, like truly AI powered. 
where it can personalize at scale. You just really kind of reinforce your key point, which is personalized too. It doesn't just have to be red or green. It could be red for me and green for you. Right. If we start bringing more data in. So again, it's the, the data kind of drives that keys. That's fantastic. Let's talk about one other one then. Keywords, you know, again, maybe this is one of these human driven ones that don't make a lot of sense that who's figuring out the right keywords for SEO or for purchasing ads. Mm-hmm. Do you think about how NLP is going to help figure out what the right keywords are or external third-party data might help drive keywords. How do you think about things like that? Yeah, so the the one, it might be the use case you're looking at, this choose keywords and topic clusters for content optimization is a, a top one. So the thought there is when you're building a content strategy, so I'll move out of the advertising realm for a second, talk of content marketing. The way you would build a content strategy, what are we going to write about on our blog? What videos are we going to create? A common way to do it, data-driven, would be go look at keyword volume through Google. So like, what are the things people are searching? Or you could look at Google Trends data, or maybe you have a SpyFu or like some SEO tool that tells you the volume of search for a specific keyword. That's great. Like that's better than nothing. That's better than guessing. But that doesn't tell you your domain's ability to rank for that keyword. Or what are the other related keywords? Or more importantly, what are the related questions people ask about that information? So rather than building a content strategy, so if I'm thinking about my marketing AI Institute site, obviously I'm going to talk about artificial intelligence, but like what else should I be talking about? How can I cluster that information? So if you think about AI and advertising, okay, great. I'm a little bit further. Let's create some content about AI's application to advertising. But what are the questions people have about it? Is it what tools should I be researching? Who are the influencers? What brands are doing it well? Keyword volume isn't going to tell me that. Like I could be looking at keyword volume all day. And it's like, should I call it AI and advertising or artificial intelligence and advertising? That's about where I'm going to get with keywords. Yeah, yeah. But by clustering and looking at domain strength, I can actually know what questions I should answer about AI and advertising that my domain has the best chance of ranking for. Context is much different than keywords. Yes. It really is. It, and again, personalization. What do you yeah. want to know about AI and advertising? Not right. what do I think the keywords tell me you might want to know? So I'm fascinated. We've done a lot of discussions over the years in terms of building a data science team. And the one thing that we've said is if you're just a bunch of homogenous data scientists, you're in trouble. And there's been lots of discussions about bringing in sociologists, bringing in liberal arts, bringing creatives, bringing artistics into the team. So who's part of uh, your organization when you, when you do this? You, do you still have the back-end techie folks or do you rely on that with your customers? How, what, do you, what do you bring to the table? So we don't build anything. I mean, what we're doing is more of the consulting and, and really through the Institute, it's more just teaching. It's re- the researching and understanding phase. We're trying to connect the dots for you and then connect you with the right tools. But what I love and what you just explained is when you think about how Google builds things or how Amazon build things or, or Apple, I heard a great story one time. It was actually an article, I think on CNBC or something, where the guy who was in charge of the Google Assistant was talking about how on that team were poets and philosophers and people from all these different backgrounds, because if it was just the data geeks or the tech geeks, the bias would slip in that would affect what they did. I know Facebook does this with their newsfeed team, but you need these different perspectives to be able to build a platform or a tool that actually 
looks at things from different angles. We had a um, Angela Pham from Facebook did a keynote talk at our first Marketing AI conference, and she told the story of how they would try and when they we introduced smart replies into Facebook, where someone posts a comment, it would recommend what you would reply to them, kind of like you see in your text messaging and everything, and emojis to use. They actually considered like they only had three options. So if you recommended the same things that someone in Silicon Valley would say as a response and you didn't consider geographical or demographic backgrounds of people, you could be affecting dialects of millions of people across the world by only giving them these suggestions. And so what should go into suggesting? And it's all AI powered, like reading the comment, recommending what you're finding. That doesn't happen without AI, but that AI had to consider all these variables to recommend the three simple things that seem simple, at least. Let's just step back and kind of go long term. So as these solutions are implemented, whether they're implemented in-house or they're done through a third party software solution, do you think they're sticky? Obviously, there's great value in clouds and aggregating the data and a lot more value comes that way. Is it good? Do you think companies end up getting locked in too soon or they have flexibility in terms of the different tools that are going to be added to their, I'll call it their marketing or automation portfolio? Yeah, the complexities that AI creates for MarkTech stacks are significant and they haven't been solved yet. Like I have not seen anybody do a great report on that yet. Because as you know, AI is trained to do very specific narrow tasks. So you don't go buy an AI for email marketing and all of a sudden, Everything you do in email is smart. The machine just does it all for you. You're going to buy a tool to write the subject lines. You're going to buy another tool that might actually help you write the copy. You're going to buy another tool that might recommend what CTA to include or what color to make the button. There's not a platform you're buying to do all these things. So you are literally just stacking tool on top of tool on top of tool. And until the major platform players that you work with integrate all this smart technology, which is years away, you may be looking at an exponential increase in the number of tools needed over the coming three to five years. So one of the things we always tell people is go talk to your core tech stack players first. If you're using Adobe or Oracle or HubSpot or Salesforce, whatever it is, talk to them first and say, are there smarter AI powered tools within your platform that we're not using? Because ideally you just wanna use the stuff that's native or that it's through an integration partner that you know integrates with that platform. You do not want to go get a bunch of AI tools that don't integrate with your CRM, your marketing automation, whatever your core tech stack pieces are. The worst thing you'd end up with siloed data. Yeah. They've each got their own set of, so I've got some degree of contextual integration in one company that's looking at recommendations and another set of siloed data looking at, I already have a headache just thinking Yeah, about it can it. get bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think a, a go-to-market team might look like five years from now in terms of what do you tell someone joining a marketing team now in terms of skills that might be required, uh, what jobs might be created in the future? Yeah, it's such a good question. And I, again, it's a, it's a raw area of study. I haven't seen a great what does the future marketing org chart look like. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations. I've, I've talked, you know, sit around, have a drink with people and think about these kinds of things. One role I, I think will exist is a marketing AI ops role that would sit across all the areas of marketing and sales. Maybe it's a marketing and sales ops. I'm not sure. But someone who understands AI, understands its potential, understands how to find use cases, understands how to look at problems differently and value creation, You know, look at matrix of solutions that can be more intelligent. 
it's going to be a while before the general marketer can do that. So I think you're going to have some highly trained people that aren't necessarily machine learning engineers. They're, they can be regular marketers who just take the initiative to understand this stuff. And so again, they can just look at things differently. And so they can work with the demand team or they can work with the audience team or they can work with the customer service team and help them identify ways to make what they do smarter. So I, I think that's that's a role. You're gonna have roles developed to train the AI because as you know, like you don't get this stuff out of the box and it just works. There's human inputs, lots of human inputs to make AI work. So you're gonna need people who train machines probably as part of the team. I think data scientists will play a much greater role within the marketing structure, either you know working together or sitting within where right now they're often not you know, necessarily part of the marketing team. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that that to me is one of the great unknowns and one of the stories to be told is what are those careers? I You saw in our study, people generally feel, I think it was 53% felt that AI will create more jobs than it takes away. So I think there's optimism that new career paths will be created. We just don't know what they are right now. I love that conclusion. And that's where I wanted to get to, to kind of wrap this up. And you talked about that ops type person straddling the different elements of marketing. But then you even said maybe even sales ops. So two different thoughts for you to react to. One, you know, we, we talked about Drift and Jeff Dorkin at Drift, and they do chatbot for both marketing automation and sales automation because there's so much similarity where you've got an early lead or a qualified lead. So right. their work, that's already a straddle point. I think the one that's more intriguing for me is when you think about content and messaging, which now can AI can help do so much a better job delivering that, all of a sudden, the go-to-market piece, which used to be much more data-driven than the market management, market messaging, content manager piece, seems to also blur. Maybe that I see straddling there as well. So I think there's going to be an interesting evolution of someone's got to look across all these elements because they do get tied together quite closely over time. Yeah, and I don't know if there's going to be like a chief AI officer or anything like that. Like, because I'm, I mean, I've even taken the approach of saying, I don't know that you need an AI strategy per se. You need a smarter technology strategy. Like if you're, you're still just buying marketing technology. So if you're doing email or content or automation or whatever it is, you're going to use technology to do it. My point is always, but people have built smarter versions of that. They've built AI powered versions of that technology. So if you're buying a content strategy tool, it better have AI in it, or they better have a really clear roadmap of how they're building it into it. Because if you're buying a tool now that you plan on having for three to five years, and that company has no public point of view on AI or any apparent features of AI within it, I would not touch that tool right now because sure. my belief is they'll be obsolete within three years. Sure. So the AI matters, the data matters. I think this convergence is interesting. The sales convergence with marketing to some degree, the messaging. I mean, there's an interesting, what's the long-term career path? And maybe a CMO, we always view as marketeers would become a CMO, but you could also be an amazing marketeer and really understand messaging and content and end up become a product manager type person, which typically I think of the tech side has CTOs and VPs of engineering and product people. The product yeah. role could be an interesting evolution if you've really got that nailed down hard. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's an interesting concept. And I think that's what it really takes is more people to understand what's possible so that more people are thinking about this exact thing or like these related topics. It's, I'm not trying to solve all of this stuff. I'm just trying to get people to care enough 
to ask the next question or read the next resource. Like that's our mission is just make the industry care because once you care, you're going to be curious to go read something or take a course or like, and once you do that, like if you don't get it and, and realize the world's about to change, like find a different career because if you don't understand AI within five years in marketing, like what, it, I, I'm not sure what your role is going to be. So those 50% beginners had better stop. They better move their way to intermediate pretty darn quick to have a productive conversation with bosses in terms of where this is going to go, what the data is going to deliver, what the solution could deliver with the right type of outside of the box thinking still. This is still not rote. This it's, still takes creativity. It's so early. Like I, and that's my thing is like people shouldn't fear it at all. Nobody gets this stuff. Like you have a chance now to take a, a leadership role in your organization to be the one to help figure this out and to maybe find your own next career path within the organization or outside. Like it, it's so early that it's, it's just opportunity ahead. And that's exciting to me. I, I, some people I think get overwhelmed by it, but to me, it's like, what are we doing this for? If, if, you're, if the idea of being able to like conceive of entire new career paths isn't exciting to you, then, you know, again, maybe it's just the wrong industry for you. I don't know. Well, I think the opportunity is there for the taking. I think you've really teased out what people could think about, what they can go after. The world is their oyster in terms of the world of marketing AI. This was fantastic. Paul Reitzer, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It was uh, just a joy. Thanks for having me. I'd love to do it. <laughs>